For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Uh, it's always an absolute privilege and a pleasure to be able to cross the ditch and catch up with one of our finest exports, racing or otherwise. It's uh, the first weekend of the championships this weekend over in Sydney. We see Nature Strip go around for a good friend of SCNZ and everything New Zealand, Steve Hansen. And it's Chris Waller, master trainer on the line. It's great to catch up with you, Chris. Morning to you. Good morning, boys. Pleasure to be with you. Awesome, awesome. It's great to have you on. Hey, um, lots going on for you at the moment. I know you're inspecting yearlings. You've got, you're right in the middle of an autumn campaign with all your stars out. You're juggling lots of different hats, so just probably business as usual. Uh, yes, and trying to keep our feet dry. It's been so wet over here. Uh, if you think it gets wet in New Zealand, think again because it's just it's just been endless amounts of rain over the last month, even the last two months. We've had about a metre of rain in the last three weeks alone. So wow, yeah, it's been quite a testing time, and uh, especially when you're you're training a team, whether it be a footy team or whether it be horses, because it's uh, certainly a very challenging. I, you know, I can only imagine you try and time your, you know, what a horse needs for the right track conditions. And in autumn, it's, you know, it's known that Sydney does get wet. But has it been an anomaly this year? Has it been hard to even place your wet trackers? Yeah, it has. Yep. And um, like Nature Strip's a good example. He's a, he's one of the fastest horses in the world. And he, so yeah, basically he's all about speed. And then you put a, a deep track in front of him. And uh, it slows them right down. It changes, I guess, the dynamics of the horse, and and it calls for a lot more stamina rather than speed. So uh, you just can't change them overnight. They're not set up to to run this way, and as a result, you get some different results. So it's a little bit frustrating from that perspective, especially with nature strip. Yeah, Chris. Hey, it's Kempy here, mate. Um, good to talk to you. Hey, just. Uh, You've got a you've got a few going up to the the northern hemisphere um, very shortly. How far you know, how far out and how much time goes into preparing that international raid? Um, it's basically probably similar to the footy team. You've you've still got to concentrate on your champion or the end of the season games. Um, so once you get to the end of the season, you then say right. Um, what can we do to be in the best possible condition to prepare for that tour? So um, very similar horses and athletes. And with the likes of Nature Strip, he will um, he will regroup after Saturday's race and say, right, middle of June's when he's expected to be in England. And what do we do in terms of giving him some downtime? Because that's so important. Like athletes, they have a few little niggles that just need sorting out, as well as the mental side of things. We've just given them a complete break. They don't have Mad Monday like you footy players. <laughs> 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 they like a few quiet days. All the jockeys. Fact, just like, yeah, all the jockeys. They just like going out into the paddock and, and chilling out. And, and they're basically just fed high-power grain the whole time. So we just get them back on some grass and go back to basics and then build them up from there. 
um, work out what we need to do to, to get them right. And the other horse that we might take home affairs, he's already in that zone at the moment. We chose to pull up stumps after his last run and he's he's gonna be a couple of weeks ahead of Nature Strip and hopefully we'll get home affairs and nature strip in front of the Queen mid June and it'll be a great spectacle for uh, representing Australia and New Zealand. I want to ask you about the Queen in a second, Chris, because there's a pretty cool story going on in your barn at the moment. But on Nature Strip in particular, because it has been tricky with the weather and, and this goal of wanting to get him over there, what do you want to see from him this weekend in the TJ? And then what do you need to see from him? Um, just hold his form. So, again, going back to um, athletes, have still got to be at their, at their peak, um, I guess, when they start to come down, they still race smart and they've still got the confidence of a good horse, but you want to be taking them when they're still still pretty good. So I just want to see them run well, come through the race safely. And um, we might even have to assess how, like, how he's going in terms of the wet track because if he doesn't perform up to his best, is it the wet track or is it him? So a bit of a juggling act, but you want to take a horse that's going to represent you well. Mm. Yeah, oh, it's some good information for this weekend, Chris. Hey, there's a bit of a debate going on here whether you're a league man or a union man, <laughs> you know. And and you're at Randwick quite often. Who do you support, Sydney City or, or the Roos, or, or South Sydney? Um, I'm Parramatta and Warriors still. Yeah, yeah. Oh, see, mate, there we go. Yes, He's boy. a league man. He's yeah. a league man. There, but, there uh, are growth days. But um, yeah, Super Rugby over here doesn't get much of a shout unless the Waratahs are winning. When the Waratahs are winning, um, it's in papers. Uh, when they're not winning, you don't get much much airtime. So, uh, and they, the Aussies, they just give up real quick on the Wallabies. They turn quick on them, even if they win. They, but I think they, I think they need to win sort of like two years in a row before the Wallabies will ever get back in terms of um, one of the great sports still here in Australia. <laughs> That's right. And and you, at the moment, while well, well, our beloved All Blacks, Chris, are just going through a bit of a flat period, you'd think they'd be up and about, but it's, it's a tough ask to get them passionate. Hey, we mentioned the Queen. Um, look, this is, this is a pretty cool story. So you're training a, a horse for Her Majesty at the moment, aren't you? And it actually... Ran third, and we've got to give the good Taranaki horse um, no compromise a shout out. But it ran him behind no compromise in the Queen's race. So Chalk Street, this whole experience has it been surreal? You know, you know, yeah. saddling one up in the Queen's famous colours. Yeah, it has been, um, and that's what sport does to you or to people. Um, it gets you noticed, and um, every sport captures the imagination of different people and. The Queen loves racing. It's as simple as that. So I've had the chance to meet her a couple of times and um, even spent a day in her company, which was quite fantastic. And the flow on from that was she's given us a horse to train. And as you said, he ran a couple of weeks ago, ran third, and he's in again tomorrow as well, Chalk Stream. So it be nice to be able to get uh, a winner for Her Majesty at some stage soon. Hey Chris, there's a just a, a question. I just want to sort of ask what your thoughts are on it. Um, with J Mac being regarded as the world's best jockey this year in the rankings, uh, in and around the Halberg Awards, and yourself being a you know phenomenal trainer and one of our best, I'll put it up there with the coaches of the the Steve Hansons and and the um, and the likes. What are what are your thoughts on high performance 
um, sport in New Zealand recognising racing as a as a sport rather than just a um, a bunch of people training horses going around um, yeah. in Sydney or the world? What what do you think? Um, I think it's yeah, it's great to be recognised, and I think it's so good for the future of the sport because. Um, um, it's just stood the test of time, and we've been through challenges like every other sport. And being being um, noticed for the right reasons is so good. So, I guess in my perspective, it's a little bit different. Um, I can't coach five. You can't coach five footy teams, but basically, I've got four stables in Australia. So, the bigger do get noticed. Um, I'm more proud of my where I've come from, and 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 where I've got to more so than my current achievements because it's simply done on numbers now and I get the better horses to train. But yeah, getting getting through to that level like James has done in the last five years um, is pretty special. So yeah, it's good to be noticed. And there's so many similarities as we touched on performing, uh, performing at a high level and with horses or athletes. And, and this day and age, um, yeah, the mental side of of horses is just as important as people, mental health, keeping them happy um, from a welfare perspective and a performance perspective. So there's lots of challenges there and it would be great to be able to show as many as we can behind the scenes as, as to what we do to achieve that. Hey, so on that, Chris, I've got to ask a question. Have you been asked to go on and, and talk to like an NRL team or a sports team in and around that, that uh, aspect? Yeah, I have been a couple of times, yeah. Um, they've come out and won premierships too. <laughs> Just quietly. <laughs> I, hope, I hope everyone in New Zealand, especially high performance New Zealand, are listening. I pick my mark though. I check out their form and see what's going on before I go and talk to them. <laughs> you, d- you didn't fly over and head down to Mount Smart, obviously. <laughs> hey, a couple of real quick ones before we let you get back to your, your morning, Chris. Um, look, you know that you are, your story is aspirational for young Kiwi trainers. So there's a couple of New Zealand trainers I just want to quickly ask you about. On one side, it's Murray Baker signing off. Um, Regal Lion, no doubt you would have seen that, and lines up in the derby is an absolute chance. And then we've got Jamie Richards, who's finishing up with Tiako and heading up to Hong Kong. And, you know, you would have seen that he's spoken about you as an inspiration for a, a lot of the time. So two ends of their careers, but I'm sure you're proud and um, proud of what those two Kiwis have been able to achieve. Yeah, very much so. And uh, Murray Baker being from Central Districts, um, yeah, I followed him all the way through since I was a young lad and, and um, what he's done and, and how he's remi- admired from, from afar especially from Australia, um, and Saturday's a good example. Like He brings over inferior horses in terms of form and performance, and he just gets them to lift and peak at the right time. So he's one of the all-time greats. And um, it's, and Jamie, he's, what he's done in a short time is remarkable. He's, um, he's just achieved so many great results and, and done it year in, year out. Uh, from a young age, he's got a gift with a horse, and he'll do very well in Hong Kong and, and, and beyond that as well. Awesome. No, it's great to get your thoughts on that. All right, Chalkstream's right in the market. Tommy Berry up from a good draw. Is there anything else we could ever have an each way on this weekend? Um, st- oh, honestly, yeah, I think you've got them. Yeah, stick to stick to those couple. It's a really tough weekend, and I'm looking forward to the following week, and particularly we'll have Very Elegant back in the Queen Elizabeth. Yep. 
Um, we've got a couple of really good fillies that will be running in the Oaks and will be very strong in the Sydney Cup. So we won't have a bye this weekend and hopefully Nature Strip stands up, but it will be much stronger next weekend. Awesome. Awesome, Chris. Thanks for the information. Great to catch up with you as always and all the best Thanks, for the next guys. couple of weeks. Good to talk, Chris. Talk to you later. All right. The Kennard Tire phone line, 0800 150 Our beloved Warriors. And before you have a crack at us, say that we want to slag them off. Just know that they are our beloved Warriors. They play the Broncos this weekend. It's as close to as must-win as possible. Next year, they will be able to come home. Cameron George, well, he's, he's, he's doing something that I believe is smart. He's starting, and he's been doing it for a while, to run the rhetoric that they should get 24 or so home games next year. Every game the Warriors that should play next year should be in New Zealand, and the prerogative should be on the other NRL clubs to do it and take the games around different parts of New Zealand because the Warriors can't have all home games. So it's up to the other NRL clubs to look at it. And, hey, New Zealand needs to open up. Tourism benefits. Show rugby league to small parts of New Zealand. Take games to Dunedin, Christchurch, Wellington. Take games to Hawke's Bay. And I love it. I think Cam I think Cam George is onto something here, and I appreciate that he's putting it out and floating it in the media. Kimpy, do you agree? I, look, I, in essence, I do agree. I, I, look, I, I do agree. I think what needs to be understood, though, is that you know the other teams, even though they are based in Aussie, have had to sacrifice a hell of a lot too. And, and to ask them to sacrifice a home in a franchise situation, a home game, um, has some accountability issues that um, of dollars and cents. So yeah, you're dead right around tourism. The councils can can get in behind this in New Zealand and support these teams coming over and 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 possibly have. 24 rounds of football in New Zealand. But I just think personally that Cameron's only touching on um, what could be a bigger picture for New Zealand and be a, be a catalyst of bringing the game out of the out of the um, dungeon in New Zealand on the back of what they've done over the last three years by, by spending uh, this COVID period in Australia. What New Zealand has at the moment as far as rugby league goes is a game on life support. We're on life support here. Our heart, we, 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 there's defibrillators going around every, every day uh, across bad? New Zealand. It's that bad. What Cameron has with the Warriors is an opportunity to talk to the NRL about creating a pathway um, and a, a competition in Auckland. I'm not talking about New Zealand. In Auckland to rival Queensland and New South Wales Cups. So if you think about it from the New Zealand Warriors perspective, one of the biggest problems they got is development. All right, so they can't develop players to stay in New Zealand. Players are leaving the country. Is well, retaining t- prospective ret- talent. Re- exactly. So they they they're leaving to head overseas to play in schools, which is where the 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 loss of the pathway starts, and eventually going on to play. If you look at James um, Luai, for um, for instance. At Penrith, um, came through a New Zealand system. Uh, James Tomalolo is a, another prime example. Went over there as a 14-year-old. Mel Meninga tried to sign him for Queensland, and he's ended up playing for Tonga. You know what I mean? So the pathways are really confusing, but it, it doesn't help in New Zealand when we've got nothing for our kids. So I think the, con- the conversation around having 24 games needs to be expanded. And it needs to be expanded with the NRL to say, well, it's not just about 24 games. It's about building a pathway in New Zealand and financing it to make sure that we can keep our players, especially our kids in here in New Zealand, to come through a pathway and play for the Warriors. That's the long-term view, mate. Not a short-term, 24-game, one-year view. So what you're saying is the Warriors have built up equity here, and it's about using it in the most uh, beneficial way, not just for the immediate future, 
but for the long-term jeopardy and longevity of the game. Richie's on 0800-150-811. I'd love to know what you think. Is 24 home games in a row actually just going to do that? Is that what the game needs, a shot in the arm? Or do you think bigger picture like Kempe? Give us a call now. Richie, whereabouts are you around the country, man? Mate, I'm, I'm in Wellington now. I've just moved up from Christchurch, so I've moved back to the capital. Awesome. And where, would you, where I started my league. Yeah, nice. Would you love to see the Warriors down there for a couple of games? Oh, mate, would I what? But I'd also love to see uh, a few other teams. Like, I'd love to see Melbourne take on the Panthers in, in Wellington. Bring, you know, don't just bring the Warriors over. Bring bring a couple of the other games over as well. You know, if the Warriors can't play at home, bring another another couple of teams over. Yeah, you know, no. I, I think you're going to get bigger gra- crowds as well. And I totally agree with what Kempi was saying. Yeah. We need to regrow the league. Yeah, and I think that's a and that's a valid that's a really valid point. It isn't just a, you know, if, if we're going to have this insulated view which we've had for years in and around just the Warriors, we're never going to grow the game in New Zealand. Um, and you're right, you know, if you're going to bring games to New Zealand, bring other NRL games, bring other NRL games, and and help develop those pathways so that people can actually see that there is an opportunity not just for the Warriors but to play in the NRL and it's showcased across the board as a national game. It's called the National Rugby League. So. Um, really, really good response there, Richie, in and around taking games and other games other than the Warriors to the big centres. Well, and I also think you could bring the um, the women's league game over, double hitters. Imagine that. You know, yeah. I, I love watching the women play. You know, it's, it's it just brings a different aspect. And you know, sometimes I'd rather watch the women play than the men because they're out there to make trying to make a career out of it for themselves. And it's some of the hits, you know. You, they just bounce back up and you get hit in the men's game and you see them lie down for two or three minutes. You know, it's, it's trying to look a little bit like soccer, trying to, trying to <laughs> get the penalty. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're saying, Richie. Um, appreciate your call. See, listening on a 7-11am down there in the capital. Let's take some league down to see Richie and the Fano in the capital. Awesome stuff, man. We'll talk again. And, and you know what? Richie's right, Kempi, about the women's game. There is a more, there's this level of genuineness around the women's game and it's the same with women's rugby and it's because it hasn't been overexposed professionally um, and you get that more and he's right they bounce off the ground there's that real zest for the game do you think taking games around the country wouldn't that contribute to what you're saying and big picture do you not think getting the regions a shot in the arm with exposure to the NRL would help pathways long term oh look Having them, having the Warriors back in New Zealand and having them winning, especially, is massive for the game of rugby league. But it doesn't save, it doesn't save the game, and it doesn't, it doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't fix the 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 problem that we have with the defibrillator coming out every day. You know what we got to do is we've got to have a long term strategy in and around what fixes our game. If you people people say they you know look at New Zealanders for instance, Louis, they love state of origin. How many people say I'm I'm maroon, I'm blue? You know what I mean? The confused Kiwi that love state of origin. The reason they love state of origin is because they've got an attachment to the game. Mm. All right, in New Zealand we don't have an attachment to a club or a, or a state. And what Auckland can be for New Zealand is the third state, not New Zealand as a third state, but the Auckland Rugby League because. Auckland Rugby League has 54% of the participation playing here. They have pathways. They've got kids. They're in schools, competitions. And what the NRL do, they spend $20 million at Queensland, New South Wales. They should throw this, not that much. You you throw a quarter of that at Auckland Rugby League, and you've got a decent pathway and an Auckland Cup that represents 
the Queensland Cup or the New South Wales Cup and competes for them, which allows the Warriors to put their development players through. I hear you, Kempe. Uh, the temper bed post text machine's lighting up. Chris, what about moving the Magic round to New Zealand? Yep, 100%. That's something that you should definitely be asking for. But we saw the Nines come over here. It's That's a short-term thing. That is something that is a shot in the arm, but it's not a long-term solution. Kempe, after this, think about this one. What part does winning at the high-performance level have on salvaging the game at age grade and pathway level. Because I watched Simon Mannering last night with Monty Beetham on his, his great show on Sky Sport, and Simon Mannering said the thing that got him over the line to sign his last contract was the prospect of winning an NRL premiership. And at that top level, winning and performing was what was holding Simon Mannering into the game, pretty much keeping him only into the game. Is that reflective of those at the lower levels? I want you to give your answer after this. And you on 0800 150 come through and tell me. I'm genuinely curious. Eight minutes from eight, Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Hey, Costa Rica, watch out because the All-Whites are coming for you. 5-0. The Oceania uh, qualifying tournament done and dusted. Fred de Jong up after 8 o'clock to analyse that. He's just jumping off here with Sky Sport now. I'm a huge Canberra Raiders fan. I'd love to go to Sky Stadium in Wellington to watch one of their games and do the Viking clap. Of course you would. Absolutely. And there's another great text from Brad we'll get to in a minute. But Kempe, how much does winning and high-performance success contribute to that engagement at the pathway level? Well, it's it's everything really for an NRL club because you you know a CEO that's under pressure and a coach that's under pressure every every day of the week until you get an NRL grand final win and it, and it's it's been shown before even if you get the teams to to a finals you don't you know it doesn't save your job so NRL franchises are, are governed by winning competitions the people inside them especially the Warriors how many coaches have they been through how many um, CEOs have they been through? How many players do they go through? Um, all in the in the hope of winning a competition. So it's the pinnacle of an NRL franchise. But we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is getting it to the pinnacle, aren't we? So but is, is it chicken egg? Does the front office have to be in order for you to have that retain that talent and pathway? Because another thing Simon Mannering said is that when he was at 100%. his worst, he stretched himself too thin because he was worrying about what was going on in the office. Which he shouldn't well, be worrying about. Which he shouldn't be. No, and that's, you know, you shouldn't be worrying about what your CEO's doing and the changes that he's making and the worried where your coach is going and, and the players that are around you that are, that are being pushed out of the club, you know, that Ali Laltiti at the best of his career gets shown the door, you know, because he, he, get told, he gets told that he's, he's not invested in the club, you know. It's just, but so, see, I said this when Simon signed for the Warriors' last contract. I said the tragedy about this is that he's never going to, he's going to be one of the greatest players to ever come out of New Zealand and not have an NRL title. He's got a World Cup title, mm-hmm. but he hasn't got an NRL title. And Simon Mannering, if you know the bloke, deserved an NRL title. Well, I'll tell you one step further. The saddest thing for me, seven years it took to get back to the playoffs after that grand final appearance. And that was seven years of Simon Mannering busting his gut in the prime of his career. Maybe the Warriors at home all year is a stretch. Maybe give New Zealand a couple of magic rounds with both men's and women's over the next couple of years. E.g. Penrith and Broncos in Wellington. Western Eagles in Dunedin. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, Eels in Dunedin. It's not just the Warriors that have been hit in the pocket with the pandemic. Bravey steps from Brad. Brad, careful. You're in danger of making too much sense. But we're all about the All-Whites at the moment, and Fred De Jong will be proud as punch, I promise you that, because we're off to play Costa Rica. One chance to get it done. Fred, morning to you. How impressed were you this morning with 5-0 from Chris Wood and Danny Hayes' side? 
Yeah, I mean, it was a very, very, very good performance, I think, uh, against the Solomon Islands team that, in essence, couldn't, couldn't defend the, the aerial ball. But um, the All Whites did what they did what they had to do. They had to um, they, they, they they scored a, a decent number of goals, and um, you know the main thing was that they were going to win the game and get to the intercontinental playoff, and they've done that. And they've you know they've navigated through the tournament reasonably comfortably, but as you'd expect, because you know the New Zealand team's chock full of professional players, and the island nations don't have um, don't have professional players, so it it, it is. Um, yeah, it is expected. Hey, Fred, it's Kempe, mate. Good to see the young boys getting goals, um, even if they are in this competition up um, up against some blokes that lack a little bit of height. Um, but is this is this a two horse race up against Costa Rica, or is it a Clydesdale running in a Group One with with New Zealand against Costa Rica? Mate, I, I, I heard that uh, you've done a bit of keeping in your time, mate. <laughs> I think, uh, you're probably. You're probably, you're probably you probably could have done a better job than the uh, the Solomon Islands keeper because I'm available. Honestly, that was uh, that was probably the difference in the game, <laughs> but um, you know because I mean they he, they just could not defend um, aerially. But um, no, I think this I th- this this all white team this is going to be a very close um, intercontinental playoff. Um, you know, with the quality of player we've got, um, and you look across where our players are playing. Um, we stack up very, very well against uh, the players of Costa Rica. Yes, they have a, their goalkeeper plays for Paris Saint-Germain, but if you look across the rest of their squad, I think man for man, our players play in better leagues, um, or you know, there's certainly more players playing in Europe. A lot of the Costa Ricans play in Costa Rica, um, so by no means is this a Mexico. Um, so whereas you know we're where we were really outclassed in the in the games against Mexico, um, Peru I think is were uh, uh, still way better than than us. Um, but Costa Rica, I think Danny Hay will look at that and go, we're a really good shout to um, to qualify for Qatar. Oh, that's that is, and I know you'd be honest with us, Beautiful. Fred. You're not going to just fill us with hopes and dreams for no, for no reason. Does does it being a one a one game shootout um, bode well for the All Whites, or would a home and away have been best? Uh, well, personally, I think it's a travesty that it's not uh, home and away. I think FIFA made that call at the height of the, the COVID pandemic, and you know they did it for um, for COVID reasons. They didn't want all this, in, you know, all, this, all these people travelling all around the world at that time. Um, but I think for for the New Zealand fan, it just it's just so disappointing that we won't see Costa Rica in New Zealand um, in front of a packed house. Um, probably Eden Park or, or at Sky Stadium down at Wellington. Um, as far as on the field, probably suits us. Um, but I don't think it compensates for, for missing the biggest game every four years. Um, I think the one-off, you know, for because for, Costa Rica are ranked higher than us, I think, and, and so, you know, people would look at them and go, you know, they're, they're a better side and the, 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 um, the quality... Uh, if, you, if you're the better team, you'd want a home and away leg. And so I think it, it probably does suit us, but I don't think it compensates for, for, for missing out on that big game. 
Fred, the question we used to, we used to ask all the time was who who do we need to depend on in the All Whites? You know, like there was always a couple of guys playing professionally at the top level, Winston Reeds or um, you know Ryan Nelsons, and you know the dependables. But I feel like across the board now, and you've told us this before, there is more of that consistent level across the eleven that you field on the field. So the question, I guess, an opposite is where do they need to strengthen and where can they improve before Costa Rica? Where can they fill and get better? Yeah, I think if you look across this tournament, um, there's a pointer to that. Um, I think Danny Hay will be, will be disappointed in the clinical nature of the finishing. I think we created a hatful of chances in every game and in a few of the games we didn't, we didn't finish them. Um, so, you know, when you've got a, a striker of Chris Wood's calibre, You've got to get the ball to him in the right areas. Um, but then also the players that do get the chances um, otherwise have, have to finish. And against in the Intercontinental Playoffs, chances will be few and far between. So, you, you know, you're going to have to put them away. So players who, can, who, who score goals um, alongside Chris Wood uh, are key. I also think the build-up play, some of the build-up play, um, has been a little bit laboured at times. And I think we saw that mainly in the game against Tahiti, um, where, where we came up against an absolutely packed defence and we struggled to break it down. And it was only a sort of uh, a fortuitous ping-pongy type goal in the penalty area by Libby Kikache that got us through that game. Um, so I think you know some of the build-up and the, 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 the incisive play is a little bit lacking. And I think contrast, we saw that today in the contrast with the Solomon Islands. Very loose, free individuals, you know, really beautiful on the ball. Um, technically, you know, not as good and, and, and as structured as New Zealand, but you could see just the beautiful passing that they can do. Um, and we sort of lack that. And I think we're going to need to, to find, you know, some more of that if we're going to really give Costa Rica um, a difficult game. Hey Fred, so the system that Danny's running at the moment, are you, are you confident um, knowing Costa Rica and what they're going to bring uh, to the to the next game that the system that he's running will will create enough uh, opportunities for the for the for the team to win? I, th- I think it can. It can. I think um, I think yeah, they do have to. Well, I put it aside. I think the most important period between now and that game is are, the, are going to be the. Um, the build-up games, because you have to find some really good opposition to really test this team. And I think um, if they can, if they can, you know, set up two or three really good games, then um, then we'll be then we'll be in in really good shape for the intercontinental playoffs. So you know, hopefully New Zealand football can pull together you know a, a decent campaign leading into into that playoff game, um, and 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 that that'll be the real litmus test for. For whether or not you know we can create those combinations to um, to create chances. Yeah, perfect, Fred. I know you're going to run very quickly. Uh, you've seen behind the curtain at FIFA and, and kind of the myriad of issues that go on. I can't see anything more obviously disgusting than what Mo Salah went through in that penalty shootout with lasers mm. on a, one of the world's best players. How is this resolved, and what can be done? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, as soon as that happened, you know, your, your phone lights up and people are going, how is this possible? You know, FIFA have to do something. Pretty hard for FIFA to, cre- to, to, uh, to stop the crowd bringing lasers into the, into the game. So, I mean, the only, the only thing really is, um, 
is post the game for you know that they they have to they'll they'll come down very very heavily on on the, yeah, sanctions. the home team yeah um, for san- for sanctions and that what but but it's very difficult to do stuff at that time mm. um, you know um, uh, unless the referee has the ability to stop the penalty shoot stop the penalty or or say we're, well you know we're not going to take you don't have to take the penalty or you can retake the penalty and keep retaking it if I see a laser on on that player. So one mm. other thing I just want to point out also the the intercontinental playoff is in June, and 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 it's in Qatar and Doha. And <laughs> I've been in Doha in June. It's forty two degrees. <laughs> so there's um it's going to be a stinking hot <laughs> a stinking hot the game. So hopefully also the All Whites get some acclimatization at the time because uh, yep it's going to be uh, that that's going to be testing as well. I reckon we should send them to um, Kolkata to do a, a workshop with bears. <laughs> they should they should join the Kolkata Night Riders for a couple of months and lead up. <laughs> exactly, mate. Because they need to do something. Because boy, it's uh, it's so sapping. Even at night, it's you know it's a, it's pushing thirty degrees at eight o'clock at night. So um, yeah, the, there'll be some boys sweating on that one. Long way from Waitara, Kimpi. All right, Fred. <laughs> thank you so much, mate. Get back to your Sky Sport duties. You're a legend. We love having you on. I'll wait for that contract to come too, Fred. Keep working, mate. <laughs> exactly, mate. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, you just got to you just got to show me you can deal with a cross. <laughs> <laughs> he won't get up off the ground. Put it that way. <laughs> Fred De Young. It's time to catch up with our man Tom Abercrombie with Court Kings. They design, build, and install basketball. Heaven, Tom, how you doing? Bright and early over in Australia. Morning, fellas. Yes, bright and early, but uh, doing well. And congrats to Phoenix. Great to see them get a win. And Hopefully uh, we can pick up a couple next week as well. Yeah, I know you'd love that. And uh, I know you have a very particular um, perspective on how hard it would have been, it will be for the Phoenix as well as the Warriors. Mate, just looking, just trying to run a cut. I'm not, I'm not really good with numbers, so I'm just trying my best here. <laughs> Last four games, to my, to my better judgment, it looks like you've only lost by 16 points combined or thereabouts. It's, yeah, yeah. In these games, yep. are you are you sick of just just coming up short? It must be the worst feeling. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you boys last week. Like, we're, we're actually playing reasonable basketball at the moment. Um, you know, especially offensively, we're, we're moving the ball, we're scoring well. Uh, I think we've been up over ninety points in all those games, and we've lost two of them in overtime. Um, so they've all been close games, and it's the thing like. You know, at this level, it just comes down to little, little things. And, and for us, I think, um, you know, we've finally got our full group together. But, uh, you know, that doesn't guarantee anything. And, and we're putting ourselves in positions to win. But, um, you know, we're just making small little errors at, at the wrong times, which uh, that's, that's all it takes at this level to, to cost you between a win and a loss. And unfortunately, a couple of them have been in pretty cruel fashion. Um, you know, Bryce Cotton hit the buzzer beater on us. Down in Hobart, uh, which was a very tough shot. Um, the other overtime game against Brizzy, we probably gave that one away. But um, at least we're putting ourselves with, within a shot of winning. Uh, if we can pick things up defensively, then that will help us a bunch. Hey Tom, so th- th- those close losses, what do you what do you put that down to? Like, you know, is it the the um, being away from home and, or the mental application, or or is it just a bit of luck not going your way? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. Um, 
Yeah, first and foremost, it's, it's, it's the defensive end for us. As I said, we, we've, we've scored over 90 points in every game, um, but they seem to just be turning into um, you know, shooting competitions at the moment, and whichever, whichever team comes out on top, and it, it, it does create a little bit of a luck factor to it. And um, you know, if we can knuckle down and try and get some stops at that end, it's going to give us a much better chance to um, you know, capitalise on, I guess, how we're playing at the other end. You know, if we if we can continue to move the ball and shoot the ball like we have been, but back that up with, you know, being able to string together a few stops. Um, you know, we get some momentum and build some little leads and things like that. But, uh, you know, certainly close games like that, uh, being able to play them at home in front of a, a home crowd uh, to sort of spur you on down the stretch and things makes a massive difference as well. So, as I said, it's a, it's a bit of a combination. Hey, Tom, Cameron George, the CEO of the Warriors, is um, floating the idea that, and, you know, he's just putting it out there quite savagely in the media that maybe the NRL and NRL teams should look to play every Warriors game in New Zealand next year. The Warriors can't host all home games themselves because they have away games to play, but he's kind of looking to put a bit of pressure, I guess, on the NRL to make something happen. For the breakers, in, in your context, I mean... Could you ever see something like that going in the NBL? And I know the other teams and franchises have been sympathetic to your cause, but would you like to see that happen, eh? And do you think it could be a possibility for the Breakers? Could I ever see that happening? No. Would I like to see it happen? Absolutely. I think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome. But uh, I just, I, I can't see that. I can't see it happening for the for the Warriors. Unfortunately, I can't see it happening for us. Unfortunately, the reality is we're playing in Australian competitions and. Um, when push comes to shove, I don't think they'd be willing to move their their comps all the way to New Zealand uh, for an entire season. Uh, you know, hopefully there's some sort of uh, I don't know way of of giving back to you know what we've been able to give these last couple of years, sometimes three three years I think it's been for the Warriors and the Phoenix over here. You know, hopefully there's some reward for that. But uh, look, I'm I'm happy enough with us having a a normal season next year and being able to play uh, our normal quota of, of home games in New Zealand, uh, for me, that, that's all I need. I think that would be fantastic. And um, yeah, things are looking good at the moment, so let's keep our fingers crossed. Hey, Tom, just a, a question around this period, this three years of playing um, sport over overseas. What what have you learnt personally about yourself and what, have, what do you think the team would have learnt when you get back to New Zealand that you can transfer and... Um, you remember into before, New Zealand. It's before seven AM for him. That's deep. Well, <laughs> mate, I know, I know, I know. Tom's a deep thinker, mate. He is, but all right, have a crack. No, you're right. I am a big thinker. I've had a lot of time to think about this too because I've been by myself for six months. So, um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing for me is just understanding the importance of your support systems and um, having a structure and routine about how you go about your business and things like that and you know for me being away from family and things for, for so long I've, I've missed obviously missed them and um, being able to be around them but it, it's more so the the routine and structure they give me and um, just being able to be there when you come back from practice have someone to, to talk to um, on the on the other hand as well it's having that familiar I guess um, home training ground where you know if things aren't going right you know you're going home you can get in the gym at whatever hour you want put some shots up to try and you know get yourself back in a routine things like that I think those um, those little routines have been a big one and then the other one is just 
um, I guess, understanding and remembering, you know, who you're playing for beyond your family and friends and things like that. It's it's the the people of New Zealand who we've really missed and we haven't had a chance to connect with them and um, you know, see them at home games and see them at events and travel throughout New Zealand and get to know them and get to connect with our fans as often as we want to. And uh, for some of these guys in this team, you know, they've never been to New Zealand. They don't quite understand uh, who they're representing night in, night out. And I think that makes a massive difference. That's a grab, mate. We'll play. We'll play that all year. I'm, Seriously, I'm honestly going to e- email that to every athlete and, and New Zealand organisation that, that, that has to compete offshore, mate. Because you're right, and you've had a lot of. You clearly have had a lot of time to think about it. Because I don't think you could sum that up much better. Hey, um, Tom, we'll finish this with a bit of NBA. Let's 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 pep ourselves up. And you're on the home stretch, and you'll be home in no time at all, mate. So hang in there. Hey, the the, the Celtics though. Did you ever see Jason Tatum? and the Boston Celtics being able to take this leap because for two and a half months now, they have been so good and they're genuinely a title contender, I think. Yeah, they are. And, you know, to be honest, I'm I'm not completely surprised. I think they had a, a really tough start to the season. There was some bickering going on within the team and things. But, you know, oftentimes that, that can really galvanise a group and I think they got a lot of that that beef out of the way early and I think Marcus Smart was kind of at the at the heart of that. He's a guy who doesn't hold anything back and there was probably some things that needed to be said. He's a guy that's willing to stand up and, and say it and, um, you know, they've just grown since then and, and turned into an absolute juggernaut and the way that they're playing, uh, no one wants to match with that, match up with them coming into the playoffs. So it's been been awesome to see and Tatum's an absolute superstar. So, man, watch out for those guys. What, what, what about on the flip side, uh, the Miami Heat having a bit of combustion at the exact wrong time? Did you see that situation? <laughs> Eric Spolster, like, he's been through it all. He dealt with the, the Miami Heat in that kind of very strange situation um, when, uh, the, you know, the Heat lost to the Mavs in 2011 and, and he, they went through it all. And he's now actually almost in a fight on the court with Jimmy Butler. Like, can you explain that? Have you ever seen anything like that on an NBA court? Yeah, again, I don't think it's going to affect them too much. Like, I think those guys are in a place and have built a strong enough sort of culture and camaraderie at that club where that sort of back and forth. I, I mean, I'm sure that happens in practice for them all the time. And it's obviously just spilt over to a game and in the public eye, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, I think those guys are comfortable with each other and they have, a, as I said, a strong enough culture and they've got those kind of personalities in that team, Haslam and, and Jimmy Butler and Spolster is a fiery character as well where they can have those heated kind of conversations and, and move on after a game. I'm sure they, they talked about it after the game and, and they're, they're back to you know who they are now and I think that'll make them better again. I think those guys are going to be incredibly tough to beat in the finals, but um, yeah, it was a little, it was a little uh, confronting and ugly to see on the sidelines. You never want to see that spill over. No, oh, it was actually. I mean, yeah, there's, you can look at it like that. I thought it was quite entertaining. It was, it was good to spend an afternoon on Twitter looking at the fallout. Uh, very quickly, Tom, yes or no? Spurs Lakers sit at thirty-one and forty-four apiece in ten and eleven seeds. Mm. Do the Lakers make the play-in tournament? No, I think the Spurs have got a much better what? run home. So, unfortunately, I think this might be it for the Lakers. We'll see. Oh, what a call. Hey, Tom, we love catching up. Never count LeBron out, right? No, never, never. <laughs> or Tom Abercrombie, that's what they say. Those two, that's, that's, I think that's how the saying goes. <laughs> awesome to catch up again, mate. We'll see you home shortly. Good work, Tom. Wicked. Thanks, guys.
There you go. I absolutely love catching up with Tom. Take your love of the game to the next level at home, school, community courts, courtkings.co.nz. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.